0: Welcome back to Uncaged, the official podcast of B.A. Tiger Sports. We are now joined by head football coach of the Broken Arrow Tigers, Josh Blankenship. Coach, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. You? I'm doing good. We're, we're glad to have you here. Uh, first and most importantly, let's let's talk about your transition to Broken Arrow and the impact it's had on you and your family.
1: Uh, impact is definitely the word. Uh, you know, it was hard at first, uh, Lindsay and the kids stayed back, um, uh, let them kind of up some loose ends with school and Lindsay's business. Uh had to sell the house, had to figure out how we we're gonna get foster kids across state lines without getting arrested for kidnapping. <laughs> um so eventually worked all that stuff out. Uh, they all got out here in I think it was the um maybe mid-April. Uh they were able to finish up at the the schools they were gonna be going to um here in the district, and so they got a couple weeks under their belt there. Um and then since then the impact's been unbelievable. Um, you know, for Lindsay and her business, uh, the church we were able to get back into that uh, we used to be a part of when we were here, Um, our kids thriving in the schools that they're in, you know, the different sports that they're a part of. I mean, you just name it. Um, And then a little peek into my anxiety, you know, I was in that little bitty town that we were in. I was kind of questioning myself as a dad, you know, is this, you know, tiny little rural remote area, you know, where I want my kids to grow up, you know, their entire, you know, school time and. And uh, didn't have to answer that question, you know, once we got here and, and love every bit of where we're at.
2: That's awesome, man. And, I, I you know, I know uh, uh, my oldest and, and one of his seven uh, are in class together at one of our elementary schools and, and have become, you know, good buddies. And uh, you'll see the, uh, I forget what we're calling, uh, uh, the vehicle that hauls all the Blankenship kids around.
1: It's got a few names. Yeah, <laughs> let's
2: hear a couple. There's the Blankenship. okay the blanking ship okay blank tank the blank tank i like that one Lindsay's and Lindsay's. so we see the blank tank um all over town hauling the kids to practices and schools and church and and daycare and and dinner and restaurants and movies and so anyways it's been it's been awesome to see um uh, their transition you know obviously from from my standpoint because i know the impact that it has had on on he and his family
0: Talk a little bit about the the hashtag. You've probably been asked this question before, I would imagine, but hashtag to the tree. It's become somewhat of a battle cry in the locker room amongst the coaches, the players. Uh, Talk a little bit about what it means to the program moving forward.
1: Yeah, um, you know, where it kind of came from. uh, Just my memory of uh, being little and going over to Kirkland, you know, as a ball boy for dad and uh, seeing that tree or, dealing with that tree as the PATs were kicked and having to find the football. Uh, you know, that was just kind of the, the image that kept popping up in my head um, as a guy that wasn't a part of the program before. And I, I asked about it in my interview and in that process. Uh, we kind of talked about it. It was one of those things I couldn't shake free from. I knew I wanted to somehow tie that into what we were doing. Um, and then it kind of became a thing that just the fact that it was – behind the goalpost Um, just that that image to me was pretty pretty unique and and then being able to kind of reach back and touch the to the tradition uh, of this place uh, simultaneously you know uh, challenging our guys and our program to go further than uh, what we believe everybody else is doing and and I think that message you know carries into everything that you're doing Uh, you know it's not good enough just to cross the goal line what are we going to do to separate ourselves and you know go
2: further. And, Coach, there's kind of a um, – there's a quote that resonated with the team about what sets men apart, and it's kind of tied to, you know, kind of that image of, you know, most teams are going to sprint through the goal line, you know, we're going to sprint through the end of the goal line, through the end of the, through the end zone. And um, what was that quote? Remind me of what that was.
1: Well, I'm kind of a movie geek, and not that I'm trying to train up our guys to be bootleggers, but uh, mm-hmm. the – Movie Lawless yep. um, and Forrest Bondurant talking to his baby brother. And he said, it's not the violence that sets men apart. It's the distance they are prepared to go. And uh, man, that was something we, you know, there's not going to be one quote that's going to, you know, flip a switch for your guys. But, um, you know, the constant process uh, throughout the season and then to see them uh, willing to go further than a team that they were playing, whether it be, you know, critical games there at the end of the regular season or. Uh, that first round playoff game, uh, that no matter what, uh, adversity we faced in the game,
2: uh, our guys were, were willing to go the distance. And we talked about this earlier in the podcast, Greg, about, uh, with coach, Bo- coach Wallace and coach coffee, but, um, our students here in, in broken arrow, they really, uh, relate to toughness. Uh, there's a culture of toughness. It's a, it's a blue collar, tough community. Um, and i I feel like when we're able to leverage um, that part of their DNA that they really do resonate with that. they respond to it, they believe it. Uh, is that something that um, just in your your short time with the program that you've seen firsthand? I saw it immediately, and then
1: uh, I felt like my challenge and our challenge as a coaching staff was how do we harness it? Um, I didn't want it to be a frantic uh toughness, you know the kind of the immediate thing I saw was you know, we would get under the bench or under the squat rack and we would just be animals. I mean, we would just get after it. Um, But how disciplined was it? How focused was it? Um, Was it on the cadence from the coach that was barking out the commands or was it just on their own? Um, But it definitely was inherent and I saw it immediately. And then that was, that was my number one challenge right away. I felt was, you know, how do you harness it and focus it?
0: You talked about the origin of to the tree coming from your days as a ball boy. Uh, with your dad what what what's it mean to you to be able to look on the sidelines and some of those special moments and see a couple of your kids out there chasing balls around
1: yeah it's awesome um, you know we we didn't ever push sports on our kids uh, and just kind of wanted to let it be organic and whatever they were interested in we wanted to encourage them in but at the same time I knew being a coach's kid it was gonna be pretty hard not to be interested in you know, for them to have that very special coaches' kid experience where they're around the facilities all the time and, and then to be able to get to witness those magical moments, you know, that can only happen through sports and, um, to feel like they're a part of it and to have a job where they feel like they're contributing, have a role, uh, you know, you can't, you can't simulate that and you definitely can't do it where I was at, not to this level.
2: So coach, I know, um, our goal as coaches, it's always to win the last one. That's, that's. That's a universal goal of every program, but, you know, you can always take uh, from every year, uh, the, especially year one. You understand it's a foundation. So what do you take from year one and look back on as the foundation on which we're going to build um, ultimately um, the program and what it stands on?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, winning your last game is the goal, like you said, and, uh, but there's very few teams that actually get to do that. Um, but you want to be one of those teams. That's, that's the reason why we're doing what we're doing. Um, I'm pretty simple-minded, so I'm a picture guy. Um, you know, we're building a house right now, and, and what I keep thinking of when I think of this season is a foundation and, and the framing being up. Um, but that's it right now. We've got, we, I feel like we've got the house framed. Yeah. Um, we've got those pillars we always talk about are critical to our program um that we we try to teach and instill and but really you only learn them through those experiences that those guys had through the season um but i feel like the especially led by the that senior group uh, we have framed up something pretty special and uh you know it's a bittersweet thing um you know you're you're when you reflect you're really proud of what what this group accomplished um but still being you know three points away from mm-hmm. you know going to the, the the last game and having those extra two weeks of practices and and all those things that you know could set your program apart. I hope, um, which I believe is probably my biggest next challenge, is is busting down that wall of contentment. Um, I hope it made us more hungry. Uh, it, it gave us a little bit more clarity in what we're capable of. Um, and and hopefully we are have a sense of urgency right now, uh, not midseason next year after we take a couple lumps. Um, but right now we have a sense of urgency to go knock that next wall down. Yeah.
0: You talked about seniors and obviously every group of seniors is special for coaches, but I think your first year on the job, especially as you're trying to build that culture, that's probably a group that you have. Talk about some of those guys that you're really going to miss, but then also talk about some of those guys that you expect to step into those leadership roles next year.
1: This senior group will always have a special place in my heart. Um, you, know, you go into a new place and you could immediately get resistance and you could go through a tough year of just waiting on those guys to graduate so that you can really focus on the young guys. And I didn't want to have to do that. And I did not have to do that. Um, our guys bought in and I even hate that word buy in cause you can buy out. Uh, but they, they committed and they didn't dip a toe in. They jumped all the way in and uh, the maturity I saw, the growth I saw um, I could rip off name after name, after name. And then I feel like I'd still be leaving some of those guys out. Um, those seniors were special. And they have set a standard here with this group. Um, and it's not, this is always important for me to say, it's never a knock on whatever's been done before. It's just the way we're going to do it now. And those guys decided this is our new culture. This is how we're going to do it. And the exciting thing now is is to watch, you know, I got an email from a freshman late last night explaining why he missed. And I'm like, okay, here we go again. we got to teach these young guys how this works. Uh, what's cool now is my Guys that have been in the program are gonna be the ones teaching these guys how we do things, how we don't do things. Um and so one of my hopes is that because of what these seniors have done, we become uh a player led, more so than a coach fed uh program. So pretty excited about what those seniors have done.
2: And coach, you know, you're you're jumping, you know, head first into off season now and uh obviously every day is critically important for next season. Um Talk about just off season in general. You know, there are obviously different phases of off season, um, and everyone is, you know, probably aware of the strength, strength and conditioning that goes into it. But, um, but talk about just what what the weight room does, and just kind of that suffering together as a team. Like, what does it do to a team going into spring football and team camps and seven on sevens, and eventually fall camp?
1: You know, there's the physical aspect of it, obviously, like you mentioned, and I kind of leave that up to Coach Ellett, who's the expert on all that stuff. And uh, for me being the head coach, I've got more of the bigger picture, the cultural uh, aspect of it. And to me, it's always a simulation of hopefully the 13 games plus scrimmages that you're going to play, uh, you know, next fall. And you don't want to wait. We always talk about the only guarantee is adversity. Well, you don't want to wait till you hit adversity to decide how you're going to handle that. You want to have alway- already have gone through simulated adversity. Um, you know, if we can do that and they learn to lean on each other, uh, through that, uh, that's the key, you know, obviously, uh, there's the, you gotta fight the getting into the mentality of a grind and it's gotta be something that they're thinking about on their way over, just like on game day. Um, you know, there's, there's never a game day on a Friday or the occasional Thursday game where those kids aren't thinking about it all day at school. Um, I want that to be happening for their off season workouts. Um, the thing I'm challenging them, on right now is uh like we said a sense of urgency and the way i tried to explain it to him was you know if we had um surmounted those three points against union in the semis then we would have had, and i had and i counted out what our you know because i had way more plans for what we we're going to do if we won than if we had lost and so i already had our schedule mapped out and that would have been 10 practices including walkthroughs and whatnot uh that we missed out on that's a spring that's a spring ball sure Um, and so I wanted our guys to understand that the two teams that played in the state championship, not to mention Bixby who played in the championship that's going to be in our district next year. So three teams have 10 extra practices on us, uh, than than we had. And if that doesn't give you a sense of urgency uh, about who you're going to be facing to win a district championship and hopefully a gold ball, um, you're missing it. Yeah. Um, so sense of urgency. And then, and I know I'm kind of long winded here, but it's fresh right now. Um, but we got the brain trust upstairs. Everybody in the athletic department's coach coached football at some point, and so I'd like to go bounce ideas off those guys. But Coach Fav up there, uh, he's got a deal called uh, being a six-second player. Um, that's kind of our theme right now, um, you know, of, of not being a guy that's just going to go hard, you know, at the snap of the ball for a couple seconds. We spent a lot of last year, last offseason, talking about the whistle to snap, uh, what you do in that thought process, you know, after the play ends, leading up to the next play. Um, I think this offseason we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on being a six-second player. And then ultimately we want to find who those uh, 10-second players are, those maniacs that can run down on kickoff coverage. Um, I compare it to running the quarter in in track. You know, you just got to be a bad dude. Uh, So if we can find those kind of warriors uh, and, you know, create a standard of of work ethic that guys want to achieve that status of being a six-second player and maybe even later a 10-second player, uh, that's kind of what we're thinking about right now. Love it.
0: You guys had several really memorable wins this year, not, not only just because of beating quality opponents, but just the the epic, you know, way you guys won, both against Santa Fe and the Owasso playoff game. Talk a little bit about if you had to pick one moment of the season, that, that may, maybe just a, a small moment from those games, or maybe it's another game, what would it be?
1: Man, uh, there's a bunch of them. Um, the one I can't get away from is the uh, the win against Santa Fe. Um, it was the first big win, um, you know, kind of where kind of post, uh, finding our identity a little bit on both sides of the, uh, of the ball, um, you know, the, the first half of the season was a lot of moving pieces around tinkering with, with what worked, what didn't work. And we kind of felt like we were coming into what we believed we were then to not only, um, uh, implement that against a really good team, really talented team but then for it to be hard, I mean, and and earned. And uh, we talked a lot about that that week, about earning it and not just expecting it to be given to you, uh, but to go take it. Um, You know, it it really takes those moments sometimes to cement some things that you're trying to teach, and and I think i always remember that particular game uh, as kind of one of those moments that cemented a lot of the things we were trying to establish culturally.
0: Yeah, I know for me, when I, when I knew that you guys were going to win that game, I went over there and positioned myself on the sideline. You're always looking to get those, those great shots, and I, I, I knew where you were going to be, but then when you kind of did that fist pump twist. Yeah, started moving a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a pretty sweet shot, right place, right time there. Uh, before we get to the kind of get-to-know-you rapid-fire questions done, you got any, any final, final questions for Coach? No, it
2: was just awesome to see a, um, a locker room of, of players that love each other, you know, a brotherhood. Um, the messages that are consistently given to them, I think they sunk in, and it was uh, it was exciting to see. Um, you saw genuine joy and and happiness um, when they when they suffered together and when they celebrated together, um, and and that's always you know a huge goal for any program and any coach is 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 developing young people. Uh, we've got this very very small window of influence on them. And once it's gone you, your time is up and, and having a heavy hand in how they're developing as young people and so uh to be able to look back and and to see um you know how this team in twenty twenty one came together and um uh it's it's gonna be an impact that I think is is immeasurable that we'll look back on and and I think that there's a lot of gratitude in that in that locker room among each other uh this is a group that got very close and so Again, it's exciting to see uh, the offseason start. You always hate it to start, but you're excited too because, you know, that's where the magic happens. That's where the chemistry evolves and, and, and the identity of a, as a team is, is developed. And, and last year, kind of having a, a short off, shorter offseason, you know, not much time to prep and plan for it and trying to figure out, you know, um, what street is a word versus a number. Um, as we all know in Broken Arrow and, and just knowing where all the schools are and wanting to go sit down with principals and coaches and meet teachers. And, and so just the familiarity, I know it's going to be a, a very positive offseason for Coach Blank and his staff. And I would just say, too, last question for Coach Blankenship, because, you know, B.A., the strength of Broken Arrow is our numbers. And the weakness of Broken Arrow is our numbers. Um, and, you know, as the head coach, you've got this vision. And you've, you've got ideas and and um, you've got excitement and enthusiasm and all the energy in the world. But, you know, 8th through 12th grade, you've got 340 players. And then you have four, five, six teams per grade level at the Broken Arrow Youth Football Association. And so I would just ask Coach Blankenship about all those bridges that he's been building, um, you know, uh, his intentionality with, with, uh, Chad Lott and Mo Wallace and the eighth grade staff, the ninth grade staff, and, and really what, what relationships and what coaching staff means to you and, and how you've gone about trying to surround yourself with a group of men who believe in the vision and, um, will roll their sleeves up to see it happen.
1: I'm glad you asked me because I was almost going to interrupt you while you were talking because, uh, that was exactly what I wanted to acknowledge was, um, you know, we're, we're kind of reflective on you know, how special this year was, but it doesn't happen, um, at places that aren't like broken arrow, um, from, you know, you talk about ideas and all the things you want to do. Well, here they're cultivated. Like you present it to your bosses and they're like, well, how can we do that? As opposed to saying, well, we can't do that because, um, it, you know, well, I need to hire this, this, and this, well, go hire them. Um, you know, being able to hire the staff, um, that, that came here was probably the most critical thing that, that they allowed me to do. Um, and those guys get the credit for, um, the culture, uh, moving forward as it has, and as it will move is, is a credit to that staff. Um, those guys are unbelievable and they're, they're completely in and share the values we share. um, and then all the way down to youth, uh, eighth. You know, I, I had a, a kind of a debriefing into the year meeting or into the season meeting with with my bosses, including Coach Dunn, and um, asking needs and wants. And the, the first thing I blurted out without really even thinking about what I should say was, you know, some things I want to do at the eighth grade level, um, or what are the ideas that we can do to improve that that eighth grade program. And and uh, I believe that's critical. You know, when they transition from from the youth sports to school ball and making sure that's as positive as, as an experience as it can be. Uh, and, you know, start, uh, teaching them how we do things in the broken arrow football culture, uh, youth wise, you know, I've, I've really been able to develop a relationship with Chad Lott and then Maurice Wallace has been plugged in with them as well. And he's one of our eighth grade coaches. Um, you know, it, it helps that one of my boys is playing youth football. So I'm over there all the time watching his games and practices and, uh, just watching how those things, uh, operate, you know, the future is very, very bright. And then how do, we, how do we connect it all has been, you know, my goal since day one, and, and we've got some fun ideas of some things we're going to try to do to, um, you know, keep those young kids excited about the future in B.A. football. Awesome.
0: Uh, let's do some rapid-fire questions. And, done. why don't you jump in here, too, since we had two coaches for the last one, and, uh, you know, people can get to know you a little bit better as well. First off, start with you, Coach Blankenship. Best sports movie of all time, any sport?
1: Ooh. Uh, pretty much anything Kevin Costner's in. Uh, he's what's been dra- in a lot. Draft Day is one of my favorites. Uh, a little
2: bit more recent.
0: Don, yeah. how about you? Hmm.
2: You know, I I think uh, I think about my dad and growing up, and I think it's going to be corny, but I think about Vision Quest and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> hey Brian's song. I don't know if you guys oh, know, yeah. were familiar, uh, but yeah, just uh, some of those old school
0: flicks that uh, that we'd watch together. I'm a Hoosiers guy. Hoosiers oh, yeah. gets my vote there. Hoosiers in the natural. Are yeah. Uh, favorite chi- – on that same topic, uh, favorite childhood sports memory. We're all three, you know, coaches, sons. Uh, what, what is something, you know, watching your dad's team play, something that really sticks out to you, Coach?
1: Uh, I've got someone I was super little that are a little uh, – you know, I was probably running bleachers or causing problems. But the one where I really felt engaged was – I guess it would have been '94 when Justin Fuente was the quarterback and Eric Bernard was the running back, and I could rip off a bunch of names on that team. But uh, kind of a magical year there. Dad's first state championship run with uh, Union. Uh, went and played the the Bombers from Midwest City, and uh, I remember being there at OSU Stadium, ball boying that thing, and just being. I felt like I was helping us win, and then I was the reason <laughs> we lost because that ball wouldn't dry, or but. that probably stands stands out the most
2: like that that's one of that game is one of many many childhood memories of mine my next door neighbor was an offensive lineman in midwest city and so we were we were not only there but we were down on the field and and uh and and I just remember then that was you know you're you're a young guy and you're watching ball and and uh it was kind of the advent of of Oklahoma high school football and and kind of what we're experiencing now but you know Greg, too many, too many, uh, memories, you know, like you said, when you, when you're raised by a coach, there are so many. Um, I think I got my first SWAT from my dad. I wore cowboy boots on his wrestling mat. <laughs> and, uh, so I would say it's, it's not a great memory that's burned into my brain, but, but it, it just, sticks out. It's kind of funny, you know, because, um, you know, growing into a coach and, and doing it myself, you know, you are so particular about, uh, uh, the right way to do things and a rule is a rule. And, um, coach's kid rarely gets away with breaking a rule. And so don't wear uh, cowboy boots on coach Dunn's uh, wrestling. Yeah, play. It's, it's
0: funny. It. You mentioned that so, some of my, the memories that I have the most are some of the bad ones, whether it's <laughs> a, after a loss or you know, coming home and my dad's slept in a chair in the same in a suit and tie from the last night. Uh, Coach, everybody see or not everybody, but I do and some of those people that get to the games early and you you kind of get your run in there. What's what's on what's in the headphones? What's on your playlist when you're when you're getting that pregame run in? Or are you a podcast guy?
1: Uh, it's usually a podcast. Uh, I'm not going to reveal my political affiliations, but <laughs> it's it's usually something like that. Just something real world. Not think
2: about football. Take your mind for off things. Minutes,
0: yeah. yeah. Don, what about you? What, what's what's on the playlist these days for you? You know, uh, a lot of people don't know this. I'm a pretty eclectic guy, and
2: um, and there's a lot of different music and music styles that that, that I love. Um, you know, one minute, you know, I could be listening to My Morning Jacket or Wilco or Nice uh, Ryan Adams or or something like that. And the next, I'm I'm you know rapping every word to um, uh, you know Biggie or um, you know Tupac or some of those those guys that we grew up on. So. Um, pretty eclectic um, musically, uh, but probably what I'm listening to probably the most right now. I uh, heard the Turnpike Troubadours are getting back together. Yeah, I saw that the other day. And um, Evan Felker and that bunch, they uh, out of Tahlequah or Um, uh, Man, they make some good music, and they're Oklahoma boys. And so um, uh, that's probably what I'm listening to a lot now. Uh, my wife, she's a podcaster. She likes, like, uh, um, cold cases and true crime, and yeah. and uh, and so that's usually playing – um, absurdly loud <laughs> while and, she
0: tries to wrangle three kids yeah
2: <laughs> she's got to turn it up over um the three kids yelling and whatever it is i'm watching and i ended up just turning mine off and listening to her podcast from the other room but um a lot of praise and worship music you know we'll throw it on pandora um, um disney channel that was what we listened to this morning dropping ava off um we had the disney channel pandora
0: uh, you might try something that I've started here this year. I take my my two boys to school every morning, and I you know I didn't want to necessarily hear Imagine Dragons for the five thousandth time, but so I've started doing a song of the day for them, and it's usually from the eighties or nineties, and and we we play it. I give them a little background info, and then if the, if it's appropriate, we'll watch the music video at home later that night. So.
1: Well, that's, you that's
0: know, a lot of work. It's
2: you know, <laughs> a lot of work. I put uh, headphones on on the drive to school. I uh, Most of the time I'm trying to remember if you know we changed a diaper. <laughs> um, well, I don't
0: have to worry about diaper changing Or if all more, the kids
2: so. actually ate that yeah. night or if homework was completed. But no, uh, Coach Wallace mentioned Michael Jackson earlier. I've got a, an external hard drive you know, from the days of Napster and Wire, um, with way You're still too,
0: not subscribing to anything? No, way,
2: way <laughs> too many songs. Thousands and thousands and thousands. And so, yeah, I actually, um, uh, yesterday, we were listening to Michael Jackson Blame It on the Boogie. You know, yeah. that's an underrated song, but that was one that we – Kind of a non-album yes. cut. It was really yeah. good.
0: Yeah. All right, last question, then. We'll let you, let you get out of here, Coach. Any hobbies or things that people should know about you that they don't know outside of football?
1: Man, I, I – was it me and you done talking? About, I I don't have any hobbies, <laughs> like I really don't. I I hope to develop some once my kids are a little bit older. Yeah. If, if I have any time away from football, I feel like if I'm not home, I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble. So it's uh and I I I love to fish if I have time. Uh, man, I remember a few years ago we'd have a noon hoops game going on that I probably went two years without missing one. Uh, I love playing basketball. Um, but now, I mean, it's, I, I feel like I, it, without being too cheesy, I feel like my profession is, is a hobby that most people wish they could do. And so I, I think I've got to embrace
2: that and appreciate that for what it is too.
0: Good. good, Coach, last one.
2: You know, um, I do love hunting and fishing. I don't have a lot of hobbies outside of that. Um, I tried golf, wasn't very good at it. And, um, the competitor in me, it, it I ended up not having joy. That's exactly (laughs) how it was. I just could not. It's like what was supposed to be a release and be, you know, um, something fun and and a hobby, you know, it, it ended up not being one. And so, um, I really, really enjoy being outdoors. I love hunting and fishing and, um, and, and great memories, you know, growing up and and memories that I want to provide, you know, to my kids as they grow up. Uh, um, I play the guitar. You know, a lot of people don't know that Michelle, go. I go Let's back go. to my wife, I was playing, you know, the other night and it just, you know, I get my own little world and she's trying to put the three kids down and I'm in the back room playing a guitar and I can hear my youngest singing um, mm-hmm. while she's trying to put her to bed. And so, you know, she told me to stop crooning, I think is what she said, but um Probably that, you know, a pretty Man, simple guy.
0: I don't think I've ever told you this before, but now that you mentioned playing guitar, the, the thought pops in my head, but you actually have a little bit of a Garth Brooks vibe to you. When Garth Brooks takes off that, that cowboy hat and kind of both your voice and your look, a little bit Garth Brooks.
1: He's saying you're gray.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it is a total con. In <laughs> fact, I there's, a, there's a, Gar- a pretty recent Garth Brooks documentary on Netflix right now. I think it was actually originally on somewhere else, but Netflix has it. And I'm I'm just sitting there watching it, and he he had a, There was a, a scene where he didn't have his cowboy hat, and he's talking. And I wasn't paying that close attention. I was like, Is that Steve Dunn talking? <laughs> it was no, it was Garth Brooks.
2: You know, this is bizarre uh, since you went there.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm not the first one to tell you that. Nor not even that,
2: not even that, <laughs> but like in the last, you know, month, uh, best friend in the world I grew up with, um, just the other day sends me a text message of a a a, a gif of garth brooks and said how did i never make this connection before and i'm like i don't i don't see it but then you know what's crazy is uh, Smokey's barbecue out off the 71st place is awesome incredible barbecue um this has been a you know a couple of weeks i call up there place an order and um when i get there i said hey i've got to pick up you know uh, for dunn and she said oh no it's for garth and i said (laughs) am it's underdone and she goes no you sounded just like garth brooks and she goes and guess what we all talk about it <laughs> like when you order because it's right on the i way feel the, so
0: so yeah, vindicated valid, now. Yeah, yeah
2: vindicated validated <laughs> you know um so yeah this is kind of a new thing uh, yeah. i wish that i had his paycheck Ex- his, don't we all? his talent um <laughs> you know and everything but, but no that's thanks for pointing that that's out it's funny
0: All right. Well, on that note, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Uncaged, official podcast of VA Tiger Sports. I'd like to thank Steve Dunn for co-hosting this with me, as well as Coach Josh Blankenship, and of course, our basketball coaches, Shane Coffey and Bo Wallace. We will be back soon. Be sure and subscribe to the AirVision Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we will be back with more episodes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.